Welcome to The Dirt Show brought to you by Pulver Towing. And today we'll be joined by author, Hall of Fame track announcer, and professor, Pat Sullivan. We'll also hear from sponsor guest, Bob Baker, executive director of the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, and our old friend Speed the Sauce Man with a tailgate recipe to kick off the season. We'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors. At Land Pros, our team of brokers and auctioneers specialize in farmland sales, live land auctions, and online land auctions across the Midwest with total sales of 190,000 acres. At Land Pros, you get a team of land professionals going to work for you. We pride ourselves on providing local service and knowledge with national marketing and results. If you're thinking of buying or selling, contact Land Pros agent JJ Wise at 641 641- 420-SELL or go to landpros.com That's L-A-N-D-P-R-O-Z dot com Played bumper tag lately? No matter how your car gets damaged Midwest Collision will make sure it gets fixed right and on time No shortcuts, no compromises And remember, where you get your car repaired is not your insurance company's decision, it's yours So make the right choice Choose your locally owned and operated Midwest Collision. Give Bob a call today at 332-2434. That's 332-2434. So you're inviting friends over for a friendly barbecue? Nice. But if you're a true friend, you'll start with Cookie's Barbecue Sauce. I'm Speed the Sauce Man, and let me tell you why the right sauce is so important. Cookie's Barbecue Sauce is made from real deal ingredients, and I haven't changed the recipe since 1976. Cookie's Barbecue Sauce compliments meat. It doesn't smother it. It just makes your food taste better. Smart cookies use cookies. Anything less is just meat abuse. Cookies is the one. Make light work of everything with Honda's top-of-the-line family of Pioneer 1000 side-by-sides. All models sport a best-in-class engine and an exclusive six-speed automatic dual-clutch transmission. Then there's the 1005 models, equipped with Honda's quick-flip seating that seats up to five passengers. So find your next Honda Pioneer today at Trimble Cycle Center in Austin. For your safety, read the owner's manual, wear a helmet and eye protection, always wear your seatbelt, and keep the side nets and doors closed. Pioneers are for drivers 16 years and older. Trimble Cycle Center in Austin. USA's second oldest Honda dealer. When it comes to choosing your next industrial, commercial, residential, or ag electrician, choose Coles Electric. Offering pole setting, directional boring, underground trenching, boom truck service, security systems, and much more. If you're a Steel Wasika co-op member, there are excellent incentives for installing a solar array with quick payback and years of reliable service. Planning, design completion, or emergency service, see ColesElectric.com or 507 507- 451-1387. Napa's Bucket Sale is the new sale for those who always knew geometry would come in handy. Buy a Napa bucket for $2.99 and you can save 20% on three or more regular price items you fit inside. Use your wits, algorithms, or past experiences packing for family vacations to save 20% at your local participating Napa Auto Parts store. Or save without the geometry with five quarts of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil and a Napa Platinum Oil Filter for just $26. 48. Sale price is good through April 30th. Let me tell you, friends, about our stores, a great place we call Miners Outdoor. Miners Outdoor, your total source Husqvarna dealer in Blooming Prairie, has everything your yard needs. From chainsaws, leaf blowers, and weed trimmers to zero-turn mowers and everything in between. That's what being your Husqvarna total source dealer is all about. Stop in today to see the best selection in quality Husqvarna outdoor power equipment. That's Miners Outdoor, Highway 218, Blooming Prairie. Miners Outdoor. 
Major Tough. Hey, this is Dave from Severson Oil, VP Racing Fuels, and you're listening to the Driver Segment on The Dirt Show. Welcome back here on The Dirt Show, and I am joined by track announcer, author, and Hall of Famer, Pat Sullivan. And Pat, your first exposure to racing. What was it that tripped the trigger in your life to make you a lifelong race fan? Well, it's interesting. It wouldn't have been my first exposure that mattered. I actually played hockey in Kansas City with a guy who was very interested in motorsports, primarily drag racing, and subsequently went on and did some at a fairly high level. And we occasionally went to some races together. In fact, we played hockey together in what is now Thunder Bay, Ontario, was Fort William and Port Arthur then, if I remember correctly. And we went to the local dirt track there, and I liked it. Lakeside Speedway in Kansas City, Kansas, the original Lakeside. I had gone there, and I liked it. But it all changed for me actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had gone down to Tulsa. I really liked baseball and I really liked minor league baseball and it wasn't uncommon for me to take a trip to see minor league baseball in the Tulsa Drillers, whose stadium until not long ago was right on the fairgrounds where the Chili Bowl is held. Had a game scheduled and believe it or not it was canceled because it was too hot and as an alternative I went to the races at the fairgrounds and the main combatants were Emmett Hahn and Ray Crawford in Harold Hillenberg's number 55. Place was packed to the rafters. Classic planes, super modifieds. Clearly, half the crowd were Ray Crawford fans, half the crowd were Emmett Pond fans. They cheer and boo, and it was an environment like I'd really never seen in my previous racing trips. And I was so captivated. I remember I bought a Speed Sport, I bought a Hawkeye Racing News, and I think I started going pretty regularly right after that. I liked the culture, I liked the sound, I liked the sights. It was special, and I was hooked at that point. So that's sometime in the 1970s. How did the opportunity come about for you to take the microphone in 1990 at I-44 Speedway in Missouri? Well, that's kind of an interesting story. You know, I'm a graduate of the University of Kansas, and I was completing my doctorate at Kansas, and I had accepted a job at what was then Southwest Missouri State University, now Missouri State. And I went down, and at the time, uh, late Bill Don Willard owned the dirt track in Lebanon, I-44 Speedway, and it was dirt then, and Bolivar, which he called Speedway USA. And so I went down to Springfield, so I'm going to start an academic year. It's obviously in the fall. Actually, my wife is pregnant with our first child, so she stays in the Kansas City area for a little bit while I got kind of situated down there. And I started going to the races there in Missouri, and there was an announcement that somebody was starting a little racing newspaper there. And I approached him and said, hey, I might be willing to write a story or two. You know, I'm a faculty member at the college, and they said that was great, and I did. And it was Don Willard who contacted them and said, hey, we're thinking about adding an announcer, maybe a guy with a wireless mic. Do you think this Pat Sullivan guy, I like his stuff, do you think he might be interested? And they approached me, and heck, I said, sure. I didn't think I would be traveling quite as much that summer because of having the child, and so that's how it started. I started announcing at those two tracks just by chance. And I liked doing it fairly quickly. There was a lot to learn, and I was quickly impressed with how much more complicated things were than I thought they were. But that's how it all started. A teaching job took you to the great state of Indiana. Looking back now, it seems like a match made in heaven. Well, that's why I came. I mean, that, 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 that was a little too quick of an answer. 
Missouri State was great for me. It was primarily an undergraduate program at the time, and I felt I needed to be in a graduate program. You know, it was a good entry-level job, but I thought I was in position to move to a larger university. So I actually was offered a job at Washington University in St. Louis, University of Illinois, Chicago, and in, in Indiana. I had applied once before to Indiana and didn't get a response, and probably rightfully so when I did. So that was intentional. I mean, when I had a choice, I mean, that was intentional. I already had been fortunate enough in one of the great things that ever happened to me in my life. Two great things happened to me related to my long-term sort of racing involvement. One was the great late Hall of Famer Bill Hill actually came down to the sprint races at I-44, and I admired Bill's work as a writer and an announcer and a public relations man himself. And he liked the work that Ronnie Williams, the track announcer at I-44, and I did. And he, he wrote about it in Speed Sport and a little kind of a short, kind of a sidebar to the race, and had noted that we had seemed to be prepared, etc. And then the late Bill Marvel stopped me because he was quickly aware that I knew quite a bit about sprint car racing. I mean, sprint car racing has grown so dramatically. At the time that we brought USAC down to I-44, there weren't a whole lot of sprint car fans down in that part of the country. And I was prepared, and he grabbed me, and he said, we'd really like to have you in Indiana. And then he said to me, just, just shockingly, would you like a job at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway? <laughs> of course I would. And he got me on my first crew, which was called Certification Crew at IMS. And I actually served a race there before I had actually moved back to Indiana. So I already had a little bit of a toehold in the Speedway. So it was a match, and it was a fairy tale all at the same time, really. How did you become involved with the Indiana UMRA TQ Midget Series? Tony Stewart, believe it or not. That's, of course, it's now become a little bit of, I don't want to use the word famous, but famous in a lowercase f. But it's become kind of a funny story. Tony won his first USAC sprint car race ever, driving for Columbus owner Steve Chrisman at I-44 Speedway. Made a high side pass late in the race on the great Robbie Stanley. Won the race. He's ecstatic. It's his first USAC victory. And I go up to him to do a, a post-race interview, and he looks up and says, hey, man, I cannot get out of the car. I mean, I, I couldn't figure out whether he was fatigued or... I said, what do you mean, Tony? Come on, let's, let's do the interview. And he goes, oh, I, I can't. I was so nervous I peed my pants on the parade lap. And I said, Tony, there's nobody who's going to be able to tell you peed your pants from where we're standing here on this racetrack. It's dark. Nobody's going to see that. So he got out and did the interview. Now, you know Tony. A lot of people know how Tony is. So the next time he said came back, I went over to his pit area and he said, hey, Tony, good news. I said, I brought us a spare pair of pants. And, of course, that led to a string of famously funny swear words that were good-natured. And we sort of formed a relationship there. So when I knew that I was going to come back to Indiana for sure, I'd gone to the Chili Bowl, and I grabbed Tony and said, hey, I'm coming back to Indiana. I'd really like to continue my racing announcing career. He immediately turned to Larry Martz. Tony had the nickname the Rushville Rocket because he lived with Larry and Tootie Martz. Uh, his parents had divorced, and he needed a place to stay. He was running the TQs, and it was Larry Martz who had taken him in. And he grabbed Larry Martz and introduced us. We're friends to this day. And Larry gave me the number of Sandy Lowe, 
who was deeply involved with TQ Racing. Sandy Lowe's father, Bob Lowe, owned the midget that Rich Folkler won the very first Chili Bowl in. So Sandy had been involved in racing her whole life. She hired me essentially sight unseen based on Tony's recommendation. And Mike Miles of Bloomington Speedway also hired me based on a letter essentially sight unseen. But like the first half of the year, that racing season, I still was living in Missouri, so I was trying to announce races and drive all the way back home. But that's how I got started with the TQs. And I'm still very fond of that group that Tony subsequently bought. He was the All-Star Circuit of Champions, TQ Midgets. My good friend Kim Stewart serves as the announcer there. She invites me to come and help once in a while. And that's a proud group that's been around since 1961, mainly racing on fairgrounds ovals throughout the state of Indiana. There's some legends within that group. And they've been a big part of the racing scene in Indiana for some time. I'm really proud to have been associated with them. Speaking of Bloomington Speedway, we made our first trip to Indiana in 2015. Our first stop was Bloomington Speedway on Friday night. I felt like I had died and gone to heaven. What a place. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Back to my story, even though I was a great fan and I traveled a lot to races, but being in Kansas City, Lawrence, Kansas, etc. I tended to go to Knoxville and Oklahoma City and Tulsa and Wichita. Those were the, the main places I went. I would certainly go to races when I came back for the 500 as a fan, which I had done. But as I noted to you, I had been hired by Mike Miles, just a wonderful human being, sight unseen. And he wanted me to meet uh, their regular announcer there, just recently passed away. His name was Kerry Pittman. He asked me to meet them at the racetrack. The season was over. And it was the fall. And even today, when people talk to me about going to Bloomington Speedway, sometimes people come up to Indianapolis Motor Speedway and say, I want to go to races at Bloomington. How do I get there? One of the things I often tell them is, you think you're lost and you're probably not. It's it's on the stream south side of town. So it takes me a little bit longer than I thought to get down there. I, I leave from downtown Indianapolis. And I pulled up on the top of the hill and I looked down at that red clay and that bowl and at the time, the trees on the back straightaway were all turned in beautiful colors. I was with you. It was just like, oh, my God, this is just the greatest. I, I like, like a lot of people, I like, there's nothing wrong with bright, clean, shiny new places. But I'm sort of an old racetrack guy, and that captivated me. And I could quickly see the outlines of the larger track that had been there for years. And Mike Miles, Mike and Judy Miles just became family to me. I mean, I'm so appreciative of them and their support over the years. And and you just felt like you worked for that family. And, you, and then you became a part of that really deep and rich and meshed sort of southern central Indiana sprint curse scene where those families have been competing at all of our divisions for years. I have deep relationships with people that drive super stocks and modified as well as those sprint cars because I've been there so long. You also did some announcing at 16th Street Speedway. My friend Johnny Parsons III was running the blue number 25 Indianapolis Colt sponsored yes. midget at that track. What a That's cool correct. midget facility. Well, it was unbelievable. That was a great honor to me. That's another funny story. The manager of that track in the early days was the late Dave Cassidy. As it turns out, his granddaughter is my daughter's best friend. But Dave Cassidy hadn't really been around short track racing in a while. He was Tony George's godfather. And he was Mary Holman's lifelong friend who got him into the Speedway. And he was Mr. Holman's personal assistant. So he took over that along with Jim Boyles, who's 
wife is the daughter of Johnny Parsons, is the 1950 Indianapolis 500 winner, and they were the partners in that racetrack, Dave Cassidy and Jim Boyles, who's the leading defense attorney still to this day in Indianapolis. So Dave had not really been around short track racing in a while. He had contacted Bill Donella, who had been a USAC announcer for many years with the great boys, including his PA guy for the Indiana Pacers, and a guy named Danny Bogart, whose father had raced midgets, and Brad Dickinson, my longtime partner, and I. And then I think there was a month where we alternated until they said the job was ours. And that place was so incredibly exciting. I almost ran. <laughs> I literally almost would run into that place. I was so excited to watch midget racing there. Now, I got a really funny story to tell you about the 25 car, and that is is that one day at the Speedway, not really Johnny Parsons Jr. because there's a difference in the spelling, but the Johnny Parsons who ran Indianapolis plenty of times himself with a couple top five finishes, who I knew by then, stopped me. He apparently was going to run a midget himself but had mechanical problems or something. And he told me that there were a couple of sponsors that were really important. And if I could just go ahead and add them to Johnny's car, to Johnny, you're, you're talking about the, the drove the 25. And I did. And then the next week, Johnny grabs me and says, hey, what were those sponsors? I've got an exclusive deal with the Indianapolis Colts. There's nothing else supposed to be associated with that car. I said, well, you better talk to your dad about that because that's who told me to do that. And Johnny says, those are his sponsors. But beyond that, I have so many memories of that place. It was no holds barred racing, the Ricky Shelton and Jason Leffler fight, the Summer Sizzle, an amazing bonsai run by Donnie Beach that ended in a barrel roll at the start-finish line. Johnny Heidenreich's crash, what Billy Boat was able to do in the very first year. A lot of people don't give the great Steve Knepper racing out of Illinois. He doesn't get the ink that he should in terms of all-time major grades. He won eight of the 16 races in year number one. I still think that's one of the most remarkable beats I saw, given how hard it was and the quality of the field. But that was a spectacular place. You have announced over 400 USAC feature races, including Kokomo. That is a track we missed because we were all completely wore out after the weekend. I think yeah. we need to go back to that one. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm sure I've done more than that now. I've obviously been announcing USAC races a long time. I was the track announcer at Kokomo in two different stints. One with Ken Evans, who was a former car runner. He had known a car for second-generation sprint car driver Gary Fisher, had great success in the Evans Bottle Shop car. Ken had owned a couple of liquor stores who basically sold them to buy the racetrack from the Lipke family and really tried to make it go, but he had some just terrible luck. And really, there's no other way around it to say it. He lost a lot of money. And then a couple years later, I came back and announced a couple of other years for another owner, Dave Duncan. When I announced Kokomo Speedway, Kokomo Speedway was as flat as a pancake. I mean, it didn't have an ounce of banking in it, and that made it unique. But I'm telling you, the opportunity to have sat in that booth in the heyday of Tony Elliott, Dave Darlin, Kevin Thomas, Mike Mann was spectacular, Derek Davidson, who was the car chief on Takuma Sato's 
Indianapolis 500 victory last year. Derek Davidson went around that place on three wheels. He didn't have an ounce of fear in his body. Gary Fisher was still along. Commonly used sack drivers would come up and race on Sundays for a while. Corey Kruzman had the track record. And it was unique because it was so flat. Now, that being said, what those people have done, the O'Connor family in terms of upgrading the facilities, getting some grandstands from some other places, the building up the banking, etc. That's a racetrack that just never disappoints at all. But I will tell you, I also thought the flat track also was pretty spectacular. And I was really glad to be a part of it. Eldora Speedway. We made a trip in 2019 for our 33rd wedding anniversary. Wow. <laughs> Good man. Is about all I have to say. Standing down in the pits talking with Bill Rose, my head was on a swivel. That place is incredible. It is. And I like places that have history. You know, obviously it predates USAC, who I work with more than anybody, but I've certainly seen the World of Outlaws there. I've seen the All-Stars there, and I've obviously announced some USAC races there. It just has that air about it, and with really knowledgeable race fans. You better be brave to race there. If you get up right against the wall, obviously it can be treacherous, but it's a place that commands respect. And I know this is true. If you're a racer, you can put an Eldora win on your resume, and then you feel like you've joined a very important club. But again, it's a little bit like what I just said about Kokomo Speedway. I mean, I've seen spectacular World of Outlaw. I've been to the King's Royal. I've seen the All-Stars put on great shows there. Obviously, they've put a lot of money in that facility. Tony obviously wanted it and worked with Earl Bernice Baltus to make the purchase. Their sound system is fantastic. They've you know, upgraded the video capacities and the ability to do replays, and etc. Well, Larry Booz has been there for a long time in the general manager capacity. Roger Slack, who's been around racing his whole life. And when I first met Roger, he was a flagman. His family were racetrack owners. There are just a lot of people that are very passionate about that place, and it shows. I also love reading your articles in Sprint Car and Midget Magazine, but as Hall of Famer... Doug Ald would say, magazines come with deadlines, and you need to get those columns done in time, and sometimes that can be tough. Yeah, except I like it. I actually had lunch today with Hall of Famer John Mahoney and Richie Murray of USAC, and John asked me about that because I've actually written quite a bit of late. Probably was one way I survived this sort of shutdown during the pandemic. But I really enjoy it, and what I really enjoy is, and this is true almost always, there's always somewhere a great story and there's a story that people didn't know or something about a driver's personality that you didn't know just by watching the stands and if you're able to get that hook if you're able to get that sort of inside information or, or, or be able to just sort of follow through with their journey i'm captivated by that you know racing interestingly enough i don't really give a darn about the nuts and bolts i mean i'm not a mechanical guy i've never been i've never spent a lot of time thinking about the engines or those sort of things never but i am interested in the people and i'm interested in the culture and so i really like to try to peer in these individual souls because they're different i had a conversation with justin grant on the telephone the other day and i've known justin since the teenager and Justin, a couple of times, has said to me, he's at least said it twice, where he has basically said, well, it's nothing to drive a midget. <laughs> and I said, Justin, don't, don't tell me that it takes no bravery to run a midget. He, and he still sort of said, well, you know, if you're reasonably, I mean, I said, don't give me that. I mean, people cannot do 
what you do. And I appreciate artistry in almost anything. If someone is good at their craft, I admire that. And these individuals are different, and they live life differently, and they think about life a little bit differently. And when you can get into their souls and their personalities, then that becomes captivating. And those stories sort of write themselves. And I enjoy that. Now, I must confess what I really do enjoy, looking at a story on Jerry Scratch Daniels, you know, someone whose career was really over before I was, I was still a kid. And I do like trying to piece that story together and going back in history and picking up old articles. The deadline thing never bothers me. If it's not sports, I'm not a television watcher. You know, I'm an empty nester, so it's not a problem for me to write in the evening at all. I enjoy doing it. Speaking of looking into someone's soul, your book, Brick by Brick, The Story of Joey Ray, what an incredible yeah. story. I would recommend that book to anyone listening. Well, thank you. There's a couple of interesting things about that story. First of all, Joey Ray was about the nicest human being of all time. I mean, I actually was on, this was a long time ago, ESPN did a show. It was about diversity in motorsports, and Willie T. Ribs was profiled, and Charlie Wiggins, the great driver from Indianapolis, who was part of it all, African-American circuit called the Golden Glory Sweepstakes, was profiled, and Joey was, was profiled. And I was quoted in there saying, if you didn't like Joey Ray, you had problems that went well beyond being a racist, because he just was a prince of a human being. I mean, as a guy who grew up and knew Muhammad Ali, he had approached Dave Archibald, my good friend Dave Archibald, and, you know, it's not the kind of story that's going to sell copious numbers of volumes. It was a story that deserved to be told. And so Dave just basically said, Pat, would you take it on? You know, I'll publish it. Would you take it on? And I said, sure. And I can remember this. I think this all the time. I drove down to Joey's house. He had a card table set up, and he had a bunch of scrapbooks and such. There's another part of the story I'll tell you. But he starts talking to me, and he tells me his father was in the Eisenhower administration. And I'm, I'm like, what? I mean... Joey Ray's father, an African-American, was a part of the Eisenhower administration. I about fell off my chair. His grandparents were slaves. Or at least, at least kids, are, kids are slaves. And he took me back to his old place, and he started racing right after World War II on Easter. was his very first race down in southern Indiana. And the great thing about Joey Ray is that Joey Ray never tried to embellish his racing career. He made a decision early on. There was a race circuit in Indiana that was known as the Kerosene Circuit. The Midwest Dirt Track Racing Association ran a lot of the fairgrounds. Columbus, Franklin, Indiana ran Jungle Park, the famous Jungle Park Speedway, etc. And he ran that, and there were great stars there, Cliff Griffith, Chick Smith, guys who were really good. But Joey wasn't a big winner at all. But Joey wanted to run in the big time. And he made it. He raced with the AAA and ultimately ran some stock cars as well. But he never tried to embellish what it is that he did. But the great part of that story to me is that, you know, one of my favorite stories of all is they were on the road and they all went to someplace to eat in the Midwest. And Joey's in there with the group and then the owner comes out and says, that guy cannot eat in this dining room. We do not let black people eat in the dining room. And uh, it was the great Bobby Grimm who stood up and went to the owner and says, well, it's interesting here. I'm looking at so-and-so's got a steak, and he's eating spaghetti and meatballs, and I've got a nice meatloaf dinner here. And he goes, here's the funny thing. Not a one of us are going to pay for him and let you let our friend Joey Ray eat with us. And they stood up for him. 
when an announcer made a disparaging racial slur over the microphone in Franklin, Indiana, Cliff Griffith and Chick Smith got up out of their race cars during driver introductions, went up in the booth, put their hand over the microphone, and had a little chat with it. And the announcer came back and said, ladies and gentlemen, let me present the world's greatest colored driver, car number seven, Joey Ray. And that's because they love Joey Ray. So that line, brick by brick, was a story about a racialist in Louisville that was Joey's hometown. And it was basically said, you know, there is a wall that sometimes that we begin to understand we can't go under, we can't go above. But if we understand that there's somebody on the other side, we can dismantle that wall brick by brick. And so for me, it was people like Cliff Griffith, Chick Smith, and Bobby Graham who were showing basic humanity and friendship to this individual were some of those people who began tearing down that wall. And that's what is the great story about Joy Ray. Now, there's a problem in my book that has haunted me a great deal, and, and we took a long, long time to try to figure it out. He actually raced with the AAA for the very first time a little earlier than I indicated in my book. Donald Davidson, the great historian, and I tried very hard. Joey Ray was the world's worst historian. He would commonly say, well, let me pick a date out of the year. <laughs> like, you know, from a historical point of view, you don't like dates to be picked out of the year. You like it to be accurate. But that being said, it was an honor to be able to put that story into print. In 2017, we were there the night you inducted Dave Darlin into the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. Yeah. I could see yeah. in your face how much that meant to you. Oh, let's face it. What's going on there for me is I'm getting in, and I'm getting in with Dave Darlin and Tony Elliott. I mean, these were my people. And, wow, where do you start with Dave Darlin? I mean, where do you start? I mean, again, you want to talk about you want to talk about Joey Ray. Well, let's talk about Dave Darlin. There's so many layers to me that express my admiration for Dave Darlin. Dave Darlin is a self-made man. He grew up poor. There's just no other way to describe that. He grew up poor. And he made something of himself. He, he improved himself. He worked at being good behind the microphone and being a good interview while never, ever changing who Dave Darlin was. He still had his own Dave Darlinisms as he talked. But the way he conducted himself night after night on the racetrack, the ethical way that he has raced other people. Dave Darwin's made mistakes. Dave Darwin's lost his temper uh, a couple times. But I don't know many people who have been held in such high esteem by peers, by officials, by fans, by promoters as Dave Darwin. And he got the nickname of the People's Champ for a reason. And so I got to be part of, in so many ways, the glory years of his career and watch it. It's really funny. Rich Foreman, the photographer for USAC, actually took a picture. You know how it is as an announcer. And the, the truth of the matter is, I don't normally care who wins. It doesn't matter to me who wins. I like all these guys. You know, if it's a rookie who's never won, you know, like Jake Swanson looked like he was going to have a chance to win in Florida. He, and he had moved to Indiana from California. He's a great guy. He's got a great wife. And I'm thinking this is going to be a great story. Jake Swanson is going to win the USAC race. He slides out a little bit to the outside. And Justin Grant, who I like equally well, got inside of him and took the victory. Now, if I had a choice, it would have been nice for Jake Swanson to win that. Was I upset? Not a bit. But you understand the point here is that you are largely neutral in these sort of things. But when Dave Garland won his 60th USAC sprint car race at Bloomington Speedway, 
I did the interview trackside, and Dave put his hand up in the air to, to give me a high five. And Rich Foreman caught the shot of me high five, and Dave Garman. There was no reason to hide that. We've been old friends too long, and that was a special moment and a special moment to be a part of. So yeah, you bet I was emotional. Uh, he's a special guy. The new book, Rolling Thunder, yeah. is now available at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, and I know I will be owning a copy. Yeah, I mentioned that I was at lunch with Richie Murray and John Mahoney, and I was there to deliver them their five copies of the book that were delivered to my house. That's the first time they had had their hands on the hard copy, and that was at 11.45 today. This was really, really important to me. I don't care whether or not I make a dime on these sort of projects. I want history to be recorded. And the truth of the matter is, is that I had been a part of a book that had come out around 1998 called The Dirt Road to the Silver Crown. And it had captured the history of the Silver Crown series from inception 1971 through the 1997 season. And last year was the 50th anniversary of the series. And I felt very strongly that we needed to get the book done. We had just done the Sprint Car book with, with Dave Darlin and John Mahoney and I had just done the USAC Sprint Car book, and Richie Murray was a big part of that as well. But Richie was involved in this in a great way because he had taken the time to do some season summaries on every year of the USAC Silvercrest series, so I knew those were in the can. John Mahoney just had swore that after the Sprint Car book that that was it. Modern Thunder was going to be the last, and I badgered him until he got involved. But Dave, Archibald, who had been involved in the Sprint Curve book, he just had too many projects. So I called Bob Mays, the Hall of Famer from Lincoln, Nebraska, and Bob jumped all over it, and he kicked things into high gear. You know, I am a great fan. If pushed to come to shove, my favorite all-time race car is a dirt silver crown car and a dirt silver crown car on the miles. I think they're beautiful race cars. Obviously, they harken back to the early days of championship racing. We say that last time a dirt car won in Indianapolis was 1952, but that's a labor of love. John is just a consummate photographer, but we've got photographers from other people, Dave Sink, Bob Mays himself, a great photographer, Chris Peterson from Indiana, and I know there's others that I probably mentioned, probably Gene Crucian, Hall of Famer. But that just came out and chronicles the 50-year history of the USAC Silver Crown Series which has had as many lives as Rasputin. It's had ebbs and flows and periods where you thought it would go away. And heck, last year, we didn't know whether we'd even have a season, and luckily we were able to get five races in. But yeah, we're really proud of that, and the National Sprint Call of Fame does have, have it right now. You stated exactly why I do the Dirt Show, because I want history to be recorded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's why I'm so thankful of young guys like Richie Murray, who have picked up the baton for the late Dick Jordan and have, and have ran with it. I worry. I understand we're in a digital age, and I understand all of that. I realize I'm an old guy. I realize I like the feel of something in my hands that magazines and books, etc., can provide. I mean, the computer has provided unbelievable opportunities to do research and gather information quick. You'd be a fool not to, to say otherwise. But the stories. This, to me, I've always felt like this. I felt that, you know, the two of the sports I really love, baseball and racing, have just tremendous oral traditions. 
And I have always gravitated to stories. The late Dave Van Patten, when he was announcing the National Speedway Contest Association, was a storyteller. And I'm sure for some people, those stories drove him crazy. But when he was telling a story about a race somewhere in your place in Minnesota or some fairground circuit in Iowa involving people like Dick Sutcliffe or somebody like that, I was on the edge of my seat because I wanted to hear the stories and know the personalities and the history is so important. And I'm not the kind of guy who just thinks about the old days. Sprint car racers that I see today are as talented as any that came before. They're equally brave. Many of them are very committed to their craft, but they are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them. And I think it's really, really important for that to be recalled and to be remembered and to celebrate some of the people that just made the sport so great. To me, it's always been a sport about personalities and people. And so I appreciate what you do as well in that regard. Our history is worth preserving. Pat, I can't wait to get back to Indiana and listen to you on the microphone or run into you down at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. I know we've just barely scratched the surface of your amazing career. Thank you so much for being with us here on the Dirt Show. Oh, oh, it's just a pleasure, and thank you very much for inviting me. It's always great to talk with somebody who shares the passion for the sport and the passion for history and does your part to promote it. We look forward to seeing you too, and then we're going to be at those places, and be sure to stop by and chat. If you're in need of a worry-free power lift door, then you'll want to stop and talk with Rod French. Make a statement with a power lift architectural door on your home or cabin. Power lift doors can be retrofitted to fit an existing door opening or designed into your next commercial, agricultural, livestock, or aircraft hangar build. Stylish, functional, and built to last. Power lift doors by French's Manufacturing are made locally in Dodge Center, Minnesota. By their experienced craftsmen. Contact Kelly or Rod. Powerlift Doors by French's Manufacturing. 374-9306. One of our new products from Weir's Machine and Racing Products is our load pull stick. These are used on the corner of your race car. You can gather all kinds of data with them or you can change springs with them. So this is our ratcheting version. Make it into ratcheting and the non-ratcheting so you can pull the car into motion either on the ground or on jack stands. Pulling the car into motion on the ground will simulate the travel through the motion and tell you if you have a bind or not. One of the things that we're using this for is to change springs. So you would have this set to a certain distance, you would hook it up to the race car, you'll get a load number, you'll pull the spring out, put the next spring in, hook it back up, the load number will be different, and then you will screw the screw jack until the load number is the same. This is simply a tool to build a notebook for you to to tune your race cars. Simply just a tool for changing springs, finding a bind in your suspension, and then tuning your right front or left front packages. For more information on our products, find us on the internet at weirsmachine.com. Wolf & Sons Yard Service has heavy equipment. This is Scott Wolf. Whether you need a basement dug, a building removed, footings for a remodel, an RV, camper, or boat pad, rock, sand, or dirt hauled, or even a driveway or parking lot road graded, call 455-3524. Why would you use anything but the latest technology in packing products when it comes to shipping your business products. Foam Craft Packaging in Owatonna provides a complete line of packaging materials, including foam products, pallets, crates, corrugated boxes, and much, much more. See all of our different packaging options at foamcraftpackaging.com or call 507-455-2893. That's 507-455-2893. 
Rhino Ag offers the most complete rear blade line in the industry. Whether your tractor has 30 or 300 horsepower, Rhino offers a blade to accomplish any task. Don't settle for the cheap imitations. Buy Rhino, building the best since 1934. Check out the full line of landscape and construction equipment today at rhinoag.com. Aero Race Wheels was established on the conviction that its dedicated staff could provide higher quality wheels designed specifically to endure the tough requirements and conditions of the racing industry. Most importantly, the wheels need to be manufactured and sold, maintaining an affordable price structure. Aero Racing Wheels has become the largest premier steel wheel supplier, and their product line speaks for itself. Upgrade your racing game today at aeroracewheels.com. Welcome back to the sponsor segment here on The Dirt Show, and I am joined by Bob Baker, Executive Director of the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. The opener is right around the corner at Knoxville Raceway, April 17th, and this is always an exciting time at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. It is, Clayton. Thank you so much for having us on The Dirt Show today. We're, we're glad to always talk with you, and April 17th will be here before we know it in four weeks, and as you mentioned, that'll be opening night here at Knoxville Raceway. The racetrack is ready to go, and we have our museum ready with 33 race cars, I believe, we have inside the museum right now, and it's all headed up with our salute to champion, Greg Hodnett. We have eight of Greg Hodnett's race cars in the museum, and lots and lots of memorabilia surrounding Greg's illustrious racing career, drivers' uniforms, helmets, and a lot of the technical tools that Greg used working on race cars. A lot of the electronic sensors, the shock dyno, he's probably one of the first people in the country to have a shock dyno for sprint cars. And so a a lot of the technical equipment that Greg helped develop for sprint car racing, we have on display also. Fans know early in the season it can be a little chilly. The nice thing is you have available seating on the second floor so you don't have to worry about what the temperature is on race night. You know, you're so exactly right, Clayton. We have our second floor, which holds up to 200 people, and it's always heated nice and warm on cold nights. And we have the air conditioning turned on on those hot summer nights throughout the summer race season. And we sell those tickets for $30 on a normal Saturday night. So it's not overly expensive to come and sit inside, watch the races and heated comfort. And you can bring your own food and drinks in with you. So if you want to bring a cooler full of your favorite beverages and some food, or if you'd like to order from Pizza Hut or Rib Shack or Casey's General Store, they deliver right to our front door. So you're all set. You've got food, a warm place to watch the races, and a great view of Knoxville Raceway. Pat Sullivan is my guest on The Dirt Show today. What a great guy. And I know the museum store carries his book, Brick by Brick, and also the brand new book on the USAC Silver Crown series. Yes, we just got Rolling Thunder in, the new book you're talking about, on Friday. And we've sold over 100 copies already, which for a brand new book, before anybody's seen it or read it, is pretty amazing. So we're real excited about Rolling Thunder. It's done by Pat Sullivan, John Mahoney, and Bob Mays, all three very well-known authors and photographers in open-wheel racing. And it's on the history of the USAC Dirt Champ Division. So it's a wonderful book. We're looking forward to selling it all season. And I know that Pat Sullivan's a great interview. Pat's originally from Kansas City. So me being from Kansas City, I've known Pat for a very long time. He's a great guy, a great interview. And he probably announces more short track races than anybody in the country. He announces for the United States Auto Club and several other sanctioning groups. And he's announced at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He's just a wealth of information. 
2020 was not easy on any of us, but especially events and public venues. If anyone was ever considering becoming a member of the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum or making a donation or donation to your fundraiser auction, this would be the year. I tell you what, you're exactly right. We lost a lot of races last year when the track was closed down. And as you well know, when there's no racing in Knoxville, it really destroys our attendance in our museum. So this is going to be the tough year for us to gather back up and get back on track with a full slate of racing here in Knoxville this year. Opening night's April 17th. But people, if they'd like to support us, can join and be a supporting member of the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum for only $25 a year. They get free admission for themselves and a guest for that year to come into the museum at any time. They receive a 10% discount on anything in our museum store or online at SprintCarStuff.com. And they also receive our Hallmarks newsletter, which comes out every other month, so six times a year with lots of information about racing, not only here in Knoxville, but across the country. So a supporting membership is a good way to support our museum, and if anybody would be in a position to make a donation, all they have to do is call us anytime at our toll-free number. We're glad to talk with people and help them any way we can. That number is 800-874-4488. Or to learn more about us, they can go straight to our website at sprintcarhof.com, and they can learn about the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum how to make donations, and they can even learn about our induction banquet, which is coming up Saturday, June 5th this year. If listeners would like to find out more about the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, what's the best way to do that? Probably our website at sprintcarhof.com. You can find out our hours that we're open seven days a week. You can learn more about our inductees and about the museum, the different exhibits that we have going on here. The fundraisers like the winaz51corvette.com is located on there along with the brand new XXX Moyle Racing Engines 410 Sprint Car that we'll be giving away. So most of the information is right there at sprintcarhof.com. And people are always welcome just to drop by anytime or call us at that toll-free number, 1-800-874-4488. We'll be glad to help you on the phone if we can. Bob, as always, thank you for being with us and can't wait to see you on April 17th. Thanks, Clayne. Thanks for having us on the Dirt Show. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. We're looking forward to seeing everybody back in Knoxville this season. VP Racing Fuels is a world leader in performance fuel technology. That includes VP Small Engine Fuel, the perfect fuel for your two- and four-cycle gas-powered tools, including chainsaws, generators, trimmers, blowers, and more. VP Small Engine Fuel is blended with no ethanol, ensuring easier starts, worry-free long-term storage with fewer repairs. And the two-cycle blend is pre-mixed with oil, so there's no measuring, no mixing, no mess. Just pour it in and start it up. Learn more about VP Small Engine Fuel at vp-sef.com. Fast Shafts owner Pat Fagan is a racer himself and has been testing and building drive shafts for himself and teams all over the nation since 1992. Fast Shaft drive shafts are the number one carbon fiber, steel, chrome molly, and aluminum drive shaft builder for over 90% of the major modified chassis builders. Drive shafts, drive shaft repair, 9-inch forward center sections, slip yokes, rear end yokes, ring and pinions, bearings, spools, gears, shim kits, and more. Call Fast Shafts today. Made by racers for racers. 800-622-6617. Here's one of the most incredible lubricating products ever made. Justice Brothers JB80. It's twice as good at lubricating just about everything around the home, shop, and your car. JB80 has a penetrating action that goes straight to the problem areas and even the tightest places. 
Try JB80, the incredible spray lubricant that's twice as good, and it's guaranteed to satisfy or your money back. Tell them Ed Justice Jr. sent you. If you've ever dreamed of owning a new Corvette, now's your chance. Visit winaz51corvette.com for your chance to win a new 2021 Elkhart Lake Blue Metallic Z51 Corvette and help support the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. At winaz51corvette.com, you'll get all of the details on how you can win a fully loaded, top-of-the-line 2021 Z51 Corvette and make your dreams come true. The drawing is this August 14th, and all proceeds benefit the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. So visit winaz51corvette.com and see how easy it is to enter to win a brand new 2021 Z51 Corvette. Buyer's Engine Service of Rochester opened its doors in 1975. Hi, this is Corey. Since 1975, we've been offering complete engine machining services and assembly. From flatheads to big blocks, wide blocks to drag race engines, street rods to pulling tractors, Buyer's Engine Service offers complete dyno service. So if your race car, a street car, is little... Under the hood, trust the place who's been there since 1975. Contact Buyer's Engine Service at 507 282 Why choose powder coating over liquid paint finishes? Maximum durability. Extreme Powder Coatings offer a scientific process that uses heat to bake the colorful finish deep into your product. Extreme Powder Coatings can deliver multimedia blasting, impact-resistant epoxy primers, and super durable powder coat applications to meet your needs. Visit ExtremePowderCoating.net for more information. Extreme Powder Coating. Welcome back to our special segment here on The Dirt Show, brought to you by Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasonings. And as always, I'm joined by Speed the Sauce Man and Speed. Tomorrow is Easter. Everybody's going to be gathering with family and having some great food. And you always have some great ideas. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Plane, I'm looking forward to it. I got a couple that I do basically every Easter. On this first one, this pineapple cheese casserole, if they've got my latest cookbook, it's on page 82. If they just want to shoot me an email, speed at cookiesbbq.com, I'll just email it back to them, too. Pretty simple one, Plane. Uh, what you do is you take a 20-ounce can of pineapple, either chunks or tidbits, I like the chunks myself, and a cup of shredded cheddar cheese three-quarter of a cup of sugar, one tablespoon of flour, one cup of soft breadcrumbs, and then probably about a tablespoon or two of butter, roughly. Drain the pineapple and save the juice, and then place the drained pineapple and uh, cheese in a two-quart square baking dish, like a little casserole dish. Make sure you spray it first, though. Then take the pineapple juice and mix that with the sugar and the flour, and just cook it until it's uh, comes to a boil and then pour that over the pineapple and cheese that you've got in the casserole dish and top it with the breadcrumbs and dot with some of the butter and then bake it covered in about a 350 degree oven for about 30 minutes then uncover it and bake it for about oh roughly 10 minutes more just to brown the breadcrumbs on top and i'll tell you what you serve that warm with ham i'll tell you what it's to die for Speed life is always good when I talk to you. You have some amazing recipes and look forward to all your tailgating recipes throughout the racing season to make everyone out there a great chef. Well, have a good one, Clayne. And for these and other great recipes, go to cookiebbq.com. Founded by Jesse Olson in 2004, Medieval Chassis was formed to fulfill a need for better engineered race cars. 
Medieval Chassis' new state-of-the-art facility has made it a leader in the stock car racing industry and multi-time national champions. The use of a fiber tube laser, CNC tube bender, and flat laser allows Medieval Chassis to engineer and produce a chassis that exceeds all others in performance and adjustability. Find out more today at MedievalChassis.com. Your home is your sanctuary. The next time you need appliance service, invite someone in that will treat it that way. Sorensen's Appliance Service is locally owned with 15 years of experience. Sorensen's Appliance Service also has fully certified technicians who will leave your home as clean as they found it. If you want fast, efficient, and cleanly service, contact Sorensen's Appliance Service today, 256-7766. That's 256-7766. Shevland Enterprises, your locally owned and operated sanitation and recycling service, offers the highest quality garbage removal and trash pickup services at great rates. Commercial, residential, construction, and industrial trash removal and recycling in Owatonna and the surrounding areas in Dodge and Steel Counties. Shevland Enterprises also specializes in roll-offs and dumpster. Contact Chris and his staff today for small town service at a small town price. 528-9900. That's 528-9900. Celebrating 100 years of family-owned excellence, Pulver Towing will always be there for you. With multiple locations, inexperienced staff, and quality customer service, Pulver Towing has emergency service available 24-7, and they work around the clock to offer towing, recovery, and roadside assistance to our communities. If you need them, call 507-282-3851. That's 507-282-3851. Pulver Towing, the premier towing expert. As the leading slat replacement professionals in the U.S., Altenburg Construction knows what works and what doesn't. Simply put, they understand your business. Altenburg Construction started in 1994 and has over 27 years of experience and has completed more than 5,000 hog and cattle barns in 14 states. Every customer is unique and every situation is different. That's why their employees are company trained. Trust the slat replacement professionals at Altenburg Construction. Give them a call, 888-435-2210 or see altenburgconstruction.com Transform your garage into an extension of your home with a custom finished floor by Garage Force No matter how you use your garage Garage Force has you covered American made, backed by a lifetime warranty, our professionally installed industrial grade coatings will protect your garage from anything life throws at it and makes cleanup a snap More importantly, it's the unbelievable feeling you get each time you use your dream garage Visit us online at garageforce.com Call Todd at 651-387-9213. That's 651-387-9213. Welcome to the Dirt Track segment, brought to you by Cookies, Sauces, and Seasonings. Last weekend, the USMTS Modified Series was at Humboldt Speedway in Humboldt, Kansas. On night one, it was Carlos Amunda Jr. over Terry Phillips. Saturday night, March 27th, night two in the heat races, it was Johnny Scott, Clint Johnson, Brady Gertis, Lucas Schott, Casey Skyberg, Terry Phillips, and Rodney Sanders with heat wins. In the B mains, it was Tyler Peterson, Austin Siebert, Darren Foqua, and Jesse Glenz. And in the A main, Brooks Strength over Rodney Sanders. A lot of fans had Eyes on Bristol Motor Speedway in the Camping World Truck Series, Martin Truex Jr. over Ben Rhodes. And in the Cup Cars, it was Joey Logano over Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Tracks are opening up. Hope to see you at Hamilton County Speedway in Webster City, Iowa this weekend. If your classic isn't so classic... (laughs) 
bringing in the auto trim design of Oatana. We can fix the upholstery, the carpet, replace a sagging headliner, make your old car look new again, make your seats comfortable again. Whether it's a classic car, work truck, boat, or anything else that moves, we can fix the upholstery and make your ride like new. And we work on convertibles. We're located in Oatana at 3275 Old Highway 14, one mile west of Walmart. Hi, this is Jim Miskin from Miskin Auto Parts. Check out Miskin.com. You'll see all the parts available in our You Pull It lot. New arrivals ready to part out. Plus, we can also locate those hard-to-find parts for you. Miskin Auto Parts has been buying junkers and providing parts to our customers since 1972. And we ship out parts daily. Call us today at 507-684-2100. Or check us out online at Miskin.com. Hi, this is Harvey West, and you've been listening to The Dirt Show. See you at the races.